all over Eastern and Southeast Asia, you have various different ferment traditions. It's, it's understood that Chinese monks brought the process over to Japan. And so in China, you have loads of different kinds of soy sauce as well. We think of it as a Japanese. There's, there's loads of different traditions in China doing, doing similar things. And South, South and North Korea, they also have their own particular way of making it. I'm not um, Japanese, so as you can see, and so I'm not trying to create a traditional Japanese miso because uh, how could I? It's not really my place to do that. So I'm trying to, to do something different. This is Jonathan Hope, a former Ottolenghi chef and the CEO of Cultured, a brand new direct-to-consumer miso paste brand. The magical paste, which has long been a cupboard staple in Asia, is slowly building popularity in the UK, and Jonathan is hoping to take advantage of that newfound popularity. Jonathan is one part businessman, but I would also describe him as an artist, as he spent the last year refining weird and wonderful creations by training the miso process on non-traditional ingredients. I was excited to understand more about miso, and I started by asking Jonathan what miso actually is. There's, there's various different kinds of miso, but more often than not, when you think of it, you're thinking of umami or this rounded, savoury flavour, mm -hmm. and that is delivered via amino acids, amino acids being the building blocks of proteins. The one that we all know is uh, glutamate, so we know it from monosodium glutamate. That makes things delicious because it tastes like the thing that we build ourselves out of. But regardless, the glutamate that they synthesise there is the same thing that you're producing when you make miso, you're just, doing, you're just doing it naturally. When you're making miso, you're creating or you're breaking apart proteins into all of its constituent bits, which are all different amino acids, the brothers and sisters. Of so it's, so it's, it's, the, it's the organic cousin of MSG? You could say that. In, in a kind of paste. And so if somebody asked me, what do I do with my miso, I would say, if you use salt on something, you can use miso. Where does, it, where does it come from? The main ingredient of miso is koji. Koji. And koji, koji can mean a spore, but it can also mean rice or barley that is, has been inoculated with that mold spore. The use of koji is we are creating enzymes to digest uh, w whatever we want to make our miso out of. So you have sweet miso and you have red miso. Mm -hmm. And what, so one is made of carbohydrate and one is made of protein. And any, any carbohydrate or protein? Yeah, you could, you could miso uh, a leg of lamb or a hot dog. This is Served With Podcast, and you're listening to the former Ossolenghi chef, Jonathan Hope, explain about his direct-to-consumer miso business, Cultured. But I was done with talk. It was time to actually try the miso and see if I could identify which one was the Haribo. I make miso with, uh, <laughs> with like, organic uh, local, local British ingredients. So all the pub, all the koji I make, sorry, is, that, is grown on pearl barley. Yeah. Uh, because we grow that in this country. And I do it mostly with heritage British uh, peas and beans. Oh, this is this is good, actually. This is made with waste uh, sourdough bread. Okay. So I have a bakery nearby me. Is that the best one? Which is the, which is the best? It's, it's not about best. <laughs> How would you describe this smell then? I don't know. It's, it's quite sweet. There's like a perfume. Sugar. Perfume is a good Perfume, a good word. it's... it's it's sweet. There's, I'm going to say there's a kind of, um, 
the, the word that's arrived in my head is funk. There's a kind of funk to it, especially if you're fermenting something like Haribo, there's a lot of sugar in there. And so you'll have wild yeasts that are just present in the air and they will, if they're given the chance, they will turn those sugars into alcohol. But yeah, on its own, it's very, so tasting as we are at the moment is, is like hand grenades. Okay, so this, this is going to be strong flavors. These are going to be very strong flavors. So I would start. Which which should I start with then? Which start, is the subtlest yeah, flavor? So Maybe this is um, sourdough. <laughs> this is amazing. So this is um, yeah, waste waste sourdough bread. It's a little bit. It's not a little bit like um, malt loaf. It's more. It's funkier than saurine, and and actually, it doesn't taste like saurine. It's way saltier and more kind of bacony. There's a wave of sugar and salt basically the kind of one one slightly slower than the other i think kind of rolls up your so this is the other relatively serious one this is um carlin fox um, and these two are and so, so, so sorry that one was sourdough this that's is, really good <laughs> this is um carlin fox pea it's a yellow pea it's a british pea okay i like that so this is it's quite nutty isn't it yeah, I use the word butter a lot, but it's quite buttery. It's like a cheese. That that tastes like cheese. Right, which one next? This one. This is. Uh, so now now we're on yeah. the R and D shelf, right? We've moved R&D on from the refined products, and this is what. You tell me. It's very sweet. It was once a sweet thing. It's like dessert territory, right? So this is the Haribo. This is the Haribo. Yeah. Do you get the artificial like the cola flavor? It's interesting how the plate, the unmistakable, that like strange cola that's just doesn't, doesn't die. <laughs> smells of um, red. Does that, is that? Yeah, you're on the right track. I'm going to say it's pepperoni. Close, it's a pizza. Yeah, okay. Without pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the pepperoni-ness comes because there are inevitably proteins like proteins in the pearl barley that will have transformed into amino acids so and that's yeah. why we think pepperoni is delicious i'm quite pleased with my guess i i feel like i kind of got it if i said pepperoni and the answer was pizza even if it was so they both came <laughs> it was not a pepperoni pizza okay you <laughs> take so much No idea. Do you get? I get blue cheese when I taste this one. You know what I was going to say? I was going to say a bacon sandwich. It's close. It's a happy meal. So it's a burger and a portion of fries. And so the, the reason you've got almost like this blue cheesy note is because when you ferment fats, I was saying you can make a pizza from any carbohydrate or protein, but when you ferment a fat, mm-hmm. The fat will break down into fatty acids and in a small quantity that's pleasant that's like any any cheese you smell it and you get that musky dairy smell but if you increased the if you had a scale and you just gradually ramped up the fatty acids after a certain point you get over a threshold where it will begin to smell like vomit this is served with podcast and you're listening to jonathan hope the ceo of cultured Now, I was curious to find out how far Jonathan had gotten finding buyers and prosecuting his new business. So, okay, cool. So so that's me. So 
Let, let's talk about the, the, the business a little bit. Uh, it, it started as a as a bar. It was I did a it's like an experiment with a, a friend. We did a pop up bar where we um, we paired fermented soft drinks with with alcohol, with gin and vodka and whiskey. So we were making kombucha and water kefir and um, we had like a menu of different fermented things. And we did that for six months. Could not find a way to make make it make any money. But yeah, so so we did that, which was a learning experience. I then went back to work in restaurants. A friend of mine was opening um Motlengi's new restaurant I mean new at the time restaurant. So I went and um worked there for another year and a half before trying to start a new start cultured again, but as a making Misa. How, how does the kind of commercial side of the business work at the moment? It's mostly um, restaurants who are buying it. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm selling it in kilo backpack bags. What I'm figuring out this year is whether I focus entirely on restaurants or if I want to go down the direct-to-consumer route. Because there's a big difference well, to making... Because you've also got it, the, the, the big problem you've got is that you've got to wait a year for each of the things to refine. Like, in terms, like in terms of, as a, I'm fine to startups. We change, you know, or used to change every three months, especially when we were at your stage. And then, but then if you're, if you're producing all of the stock you're going to need a year in advance, that's, that's really hard. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, but you just, you have to pick your battles. You just have to make a good product and then worry about <laughs> how, how to sell it. So the, in, in, the, good, the good news is, is that you're, you can, if you make too much, you can keep selling it. Yeah, that's that's the massive um, upside of the miso is that the the shelf life is so long because it's only maturing and getting more complex as as it ages. Kitchen. Yeah, so I have a, a rent some space in Brentford. Right, and that's and that space is where you store the sacks and sacks of miso. The barrels. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of restaurants go in for this? I mean, are you selling to? It's it's weird actually because. We're at this point in what what people call British cuisine, where so many restaurants are now serving world food. Everybody's willing to experiment with food outside the UK, and even in what you might call a fancy pub or a gastro pub, they'll have they'll have miso on the menu, even if it's just in the dessert. Actually, much more of a market for it than I originally anticipated. Because in a way, that's the bet, right? Is that people will be interested in miso. Yeah, yeah, that that's the um, the gamble because I'm not producing it at a price that is necessarily competitive with. So the carbohydrate miso, so like the pumpkin miso, is fifteen pounds a kilo, okay. and the protein misos are twenty pounds a kilo, which is a which is a lot if you're you can you're buy you can buy mass produced miso for three pounds a kilo. But yours is better than the mass produced. I'm not I'm not bold enough to say it's better. It's 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 different. This is Served With Podcast, and you're listening to Jonathan Hope, the CEO of Cultured, a direct-to-consumer miso brand. Finally, it was time for me to ask the fundamental question of his business. How does a food become popular? How, how, how does a food become popular? I think just aggressively marketing it. You think it is driven by the companies and not by the on the consumer side? I think it's it's always both. 
Um, when I say I say aggressively marketing it in jest, but I think people buy into feelings. And but my intention for the next so next week is my first week where I'm full time on Lisa. Yep. And I'm gonna make four TikToks a day. I think that people buy into feelings, and that's why I make I'm making the like the stuff that I deem to be a good product. I'm pushing and I'm telling stories about the Greg sausage rolls, Wenzel's um, bacon, Lisa, because I want to get people excited and I want to get people to feel it's fun, which is, which is also delicious. Like it has to qualify on both both fronts. Yes, it needs to be like, oh wow, you made this um, paprika Pringles miso mayonnaise. <laughs> like, yeah, why or how? But. They're asking those questions because it, they actually want it, because it actually tastes good. If it's a limited edition bacon, soy sauce brewed in a Lafroig barrel, can you, the question for you is like, can you build a story about that that is entertaining enough that it's not just about entertaining, it also has to taste great. Yeah. You're not just making like novelty. <laughs> novelty products for the crack. <laughs> but can you tell a story that is worth telling to somebody else at the pub. Yeah. That somebody overhears and is like, I need to go and tell my friend about that. At the minute, it's mainly restaurant buyers or like 80% restaurant buyers? Probably 80% restaurant. What kind of, what kind of restaurants are buying? Mo like mostly British, British restaurants. Just British restaurants. Because I've approached Japanese restaurants and more, more often than not, they're like, <laughs> We have miso from Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? So do, you do you sell to Otolangi? I do, yeah. Yeah, they are. Because um, th their food as well is very is very diverse. They, obviously, it's um, there's the foundation in the Levant. Le 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 Levant? Levantine? In the Middle East. <laughs> um, but they like if you go to Rovi or Nopi or one of the delis, it's it's not just Middle Eastern cuisine. It's It's like... They take influence from everywhere because they're just fans of flavor. Yeah. And then, I mean, I guess there's going to be some restaurants who are interested in selling it because of its story and because it's kind of a unique thing. And there's going to be, and, but then it also actually has to just stand up on the taste alone where there's restaurants who are going to be like, we're not going to tell your story. We're just using it because it is actually the best ingredient. I think the, the journey is going and, and finding and finding those places and finding those people and more often than not, for me, it's like, I'll know if it's going to work or not in the first five minutes of going into somewhere because I'll either connect with the head chef or the, the manager or, or I won't. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's always about a relationship that you develop. The, the product is almost secondary. This is Served With Podcast, and that was former Otolenghi chef uh, Jonathan Hope talking about his new direct-to-consumer business, cultured if you enjoyed the show please hit subscribe and if you're on youtube give it a like or alternatively if you're on one of the other platforms try and rate it five stars if you can find the rating system it's a little obscured on on spotify um but that really does make all the difference in terms of how widely the the, the podcast gets viewed um so really grateful for that Served With is brought to you by Storkit. Storkit is the easiest mobile ordering system on the market. It takes about 25 seconds to order uh, via Storkit. The reason we made it so easy isn't just because it needs to be easier than going to the bar for there to even be a point to using the system, but also because we don't want to take your patrons out of the experience that you've worked really hard to create uh, with a software learning experience. 
It's easiest for your patrons. It's also easiest for your team. This is a zero training hours system, which is great. Uh, and it's easiest for you. We integrate with over 100 point of sale systems, uh, many of which are direct integrations. Uh, so we're so it's really easy to get started and we can get you live with StoreKit in your store uh, in less than a week. If you're interested in hearing more about StoreKit, email venues at storekit.com and tell us a little bit about your business. Thanks very much.